Next on BYU Sports Nation, the beautiful uglies. How BYU football added two huge pieces to their roster and got better in early June. Offensive line coach Mike Empey is in studio to discuss the Cougars' two-deep and O-line renaissance. Plus, Bill Bender of the Sporting News. Why does he have BYU in the Independence Bowl? Phil Steele's over-under win total projection and between the lines with you, the fans. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Will the real BYU Sports Nation please stand up? We are live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, June, what day is it today, Jerem? The 6th. That is right. It is Tuesday, June 6th. Wherever and however you're dialing, great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Smash Mouth Groupie, Jerem Jordan. What happened to those guys? It's a great question. You should know. I should know. I'm going to look up on Wikipedia. <laughs> Smash Mouth Wiki. Hey now, you're an all-star. Yeah. That group, right? Three Hit Wonders. The Three Hit Wonders, Smash Mouth. While Jerem Jordan, the last groupie of Smash Mouth that we know uh, currently on planet Earth, looks up what the latest is from that group. It came, up with a, it came out with an album in 2012. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that their their hit uh album was 2001. Mm-hmm. Like the one and it was called Smash Mouth. Yeah. That's uh original. <laughs> yeah, they had two albums before that. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh discussions the, not to be had in 2017. The Google, the Google for the win. I use Bing actually. I'm just kidding. Did you hear what CBS <laughs> college basketball analyst Seth Davis said about Eric Mika? In fact, something he tweeted out this morning. Yesterday. Yesterday. The entire I mean ba- this morning or yesterday. They'll edit it in post. The entire basketball world is sleeping on Eric Mika, and I am the only one who knows it. What does that mean? Seth, you're not the only one. We know that Eric Mika is good, okay? Don't be so selfish. We know that Eric Mika is good. I, I don't see Eric Mika drafted in the first round. I could see someone taking a chance on him in the late second round. I anticipate that he won't be drafted, though. And that's but, why but Seth he's, Davis he's is saying... On Eric that's Mika. why Seth Davis is saying everyone's sleeping on Eric Mika. He, essentially, my translation of this is, you should draft Eric Mika. Why is he not being projected to be drafted? Well, he did, he, he did not have a great showing at the Combine, per se. I, did, I didn't think it hurt him. I thought it was fine. He did, he did fine. Which is okay. I don't think he helped her hurt his stock. So we'll see how it plays out with Eric Mika. I hope he gets drafted. Hey, now. I hope Eric Mika's drafted. Yeah, he's not going to be an all-star. But (laughs) if he makes the league, that'll be great. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football announced the additions of two offensive linemen. Tristan Hodge, a transfer from Notre Dame, who, by the way, was the number one center in the country coming out of high school. (laughs) And BYU adds James Empey, returned missionary who committed to the University of Utah out of high school. He will play for BYU and is the son of BYU offensive line coach Mike Empey. Much more on the impact this has on the BYU offensive line and team overall. Coming up in just a few minutes. This is exciting. Two big ads. Phil Steele has released his over-under win totals for the season. BYU's over-under total at 10 wins. 10? I would have put it at 9. That's pretty high. 10. Over-under at 10. So he thinks 
Wow, 10 wins. Steel doesn't have a lot of teams at 10 or more, which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU is one of nine teams with an over-under of 10 or more by Phil Steele. How about that? Wisconsin's the only team on BYU schedule in that group, and they're at 10 and a half. Wow. 10 is high for me. I would put it at 9. BYU under at nine. has 13 regular season games. That helps out, right? That does help. If it's 12, I'm probably going, I think Phil puts it at 9. 10 he think, he wins wow. for BYU. The over-under from Phil Steele. We just tweeted out about that. In fact, uh, Jeremy and I both tweeted out the link, uh, and you can look into that. But, man, that I mean, if BYU can go 2-3 and three through the big five games that we chronicled yesterday. The big five, baby. That, would, that still means they need to the, win out. Can we call them that. the Furious Five? The Furious Five. Like Kung Fu okay. Panda? Sure, yeah. Work? Why not? Who's Crane? We'll figure that out tomorrow. Bleacher Report predicts Taysom Hill and Harvey Longy are the most likely undrafted free agents to make the Green Bay Packers and New England Patriots, respectively. Also, things that are not really new to us, right? Yeah, but we're going to repeat them for you because it's <laughs> June 6th and we need stuff. The 2017 women's soccer schedule is out, people. We re- released volleyball yesterday, soccer today. The Cougars play a challenging schedule. They always do. Home non-conference games against Ohio State, UCLA, Utah, and Kansas, among others. Those are really good. UCLA and Provo, legit. Good road games include at Penn State again. Is Penn State going to come to Provo? Come on. Colorado and Arizona. For a full listing, you can check out the, uh, the tweets we sent out yesterday with the schedule. Now, BYU... Perhaps Penn State's feeling surly because BYU went on the road and won. Well, they need to return. Nice. A, maybe it's a two-for-one or something. I agree. Yeah, I who, know. who knows? I mean, Jen Rockwood knows the details about that. Come to Provo. Go to a bowl game, says Brett. <laughs> Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Ahern Rentals. Your next job is our priority. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. The beautiful... Uglies. Football success generally begins at the point of contact, in the trenches. Solid logic, and I know Jerem Jordan loves himself some logic, Mm -hmm. would suggest that when you have a group of guys that can protect a quarterback well, the quarterback will then perform at a higher level. That's my quarterback. When you have big dudes that can open up holes for a running back, that running back tends to run through those holes and have a good game. Point is, to be successful in high-level football, you have to feature a solid offensive line. I'm not saying an elite quarterback or running back can't make up the difference now and again for the shortcomings of a patchwork line. But if you pair an elite offensive line elite, huh? and an elite position player together, That's two. look out. Offensive line, generally underappreciated, yet vitally important. Now, BYU led by offensive line coach Mike Empey, as we just told you, doing everything they can to get better up front. Enter Tristan Hodge, Notre Dame transfer, number one center in the country out of high school. And the coach's son, James Empey, return missionary, who originally committed to the U, but is now coming to the Y. With that backdrop, we ask you today's Twitter question. What position group's the most important to the future success of BYU football at pro underscore couch potato. He used the hashtag BYUSN, I believe. Or it's at CJ Hershey. I don't know. They're both listed here. <laughs> Always will be the O-line. Great teams are built around them. For everyone else to do their job on every down, it's pro couch potato apparently. The O-line's the most important. Unless it's fourth 19, then it's the punter. 
Johnny Linehan sneaks into the show again. Is there a show that we can do without 4th and 19 being referenced? Should Johnny Linehan become the Matt Damon of this program? Maybe. To Jimmy Kimmel. Maybe that's the thing. It like, oh, we ran out of time hey, for sorry, Johnny. Johnny Linehan, we ran out of time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I want to discuss O-line. I think it's the defensive line. Look at what Utah did under Kalani Sitake in the last two Yaki. They, they had okay to good offenses. They were never great offensively, in my opinion. But their defenses were always really good, led by a great pass rush. Your secondary doesn't have to be great if you're getting pressure on the quarterback, right? The linebackers can be good but don't have to be great. If you can get a good pass rush and stop the run, you're in business, man, in all facets of the game. Because offensively, you don't have to score as many points. I think it's the D-line. But I want to focus on the O-line after this. Now, interesting, because I thought for sure you would say offensive line based on what BYU wants to do as a system with Ty Detmer. Well, on offense, yeah. The O-line's the key to offense to me. But the key to the team, defensive line. Oh, man. Yeah. I, they're and BYU's both, not at that point yet. Critical, right? Yeah, they BYU doesn't have a great critical. pass rush yet. They're working on it. But if BYU can protect the likes of Tanner Mangum and their skilled players with a big offensive line, if they could score a few more points, they, the defense was good enough last year to win games. They didn't give up a ton of points other than the, the defense, Toledo game. The defense wasn't good enough. They were really good. They were top 15. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So for me, I but, look at the offensive line as the key to BYU being successful in the future because I feel like the defense was really good, even though at times, yeah, the pass rush wasn't getting to the quarterback. They still collectively did enough. They turned the ball over enough. Yeah. If the offensive line can shore up some things, man, you, you like BYU's chances in some of those close games last year and moving forward and the opportunities they have. So I no, think O line's right behind the defense. Yeah, so for me, it's yeah. offensive line just in front of the defensive line, and I know we're splitting hairs to a degree, but man, it, it's I June think six. There's a lot of hairs to split. It begins up front. A good quarterback becomes a lot of the time a great quarterback with a good offensive line. An average quarterback becomes, or at least looks like, a good quarterback when he isn't playing behind a good offensive line. And the offensive line got way better yesterday. Let's talk about the two guys to BYU sign and what this means for BYU. Tristan Hodge, cousin of Bo Hodge. Bo Hodge. We need Brady Pinga to do it. Tristan Hodge went to Highland High School. Same high school as Taysom Hill. Also as Merrill Hodge. Also as Dirk Cutter, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tristan Hodge was the number one center coming out of the country in 2015. How about that? He went to Notre Dame. He redshirted in 2015. He played six games last year. Transfers to BYU. Has three years to play. He's going to have to sit out this year, barring some appeal, and he gets it, right? So he's going to sit out this year in all likelihood. Then he'll play as a junior and senior. This guy is the Tijon Karoma replacement at center. There he is. That's what he looks like, Tristan Hodge. Then you have James Empey, three-star guy, son of Mike Empey, never signed with Utah, committed to Utah. Mike Empey comes to BYU, so naturally the transfer, technically it's not even a transfer, right? He just committed and never signed. He's just signing at BYU, uh, and he's eligible to play right away, four years. So these are two nice additions, neither of which will have a huge impact on this season, but the two-deep is forming. The two-deep is happening. What does the two-deep look like now is the question. Yeah, that's a good question. But I, I like the guys that BYU has in there. You look, you look across the board. Uh, you know, you got, you, you got uh, at center, obviously, a senior in T. John Crum, a Kean Norman. 
is a guard, a left guard in all likelihood. Uh, Knuch, right guard. Austin Hoyt, uh, right tackle probably. Schof at left tackle, freshman All-American. And then the key is not always the starter. It's the backups because you're going to play these guys. And here's the two deep according to our lads NFL scouting. They, they are a credible uh, scouting source for NFL kind of stuff. They do college stuff too. J.J. Nwigwe got some PT last year. Austin Chambers is, a, I, I believe, an incoming freshman. Keenan Norman's the backup center. You want to get to the point where you don't have crossover, right? Uh, this guy's this starter, but he's backup of this. Austin Hoyt in the mix. And it, uh, Kiefer Longson is a big-time recruit that redshirted last year, 6'7", 300. I love what's happening. BYU went away from Go Fast, Go Hard. Now they're going back now to the Now they roots. got the, the big uglies. Remember, BYU's trying to become like Stanford offensively. So the key is these guys. And every year Stanford has a lineman drafted, or multiple. Pretty good up front. T. John Caroma, Ului Lapuaho, I forgot Tuni Kanuch. I mean, there are some guys up, up front, right? Yeah. There are some guys. Now, I, I am fascinated to see with the options that Mike Campy has now, who comes out as the starting five against Portland State? Countdown to the Vikings. 81 days. 81 days away from an actual football game. We'll talk to Mike Empey and ask him, if you had to start five guys right now, who would it be today? Five, five guys. One of my on favorite June burger places. On June 6th. Let's keep it rolling on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN and join BYU Sports Nation. Which position group is the most important to the future success of BYU football? Send in your replies. Coming up. Mike Empey just told you he'll join us to discuss the addition of those two new offensive linemen. But first, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Why does he project BYU to play a bowl game in Louisiana? Huh? What's trending on BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Ahern Rental. Your next job is our priority. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Glad to have you with this conversation rolling right now on Twitter. Follow at BYU Sports Nation and use the hashtag BYUSN. Football Media Day is coming up very quickly. We're 17 days away. June 23rd, it's a Friday. BYU Football Media Day live on BYU TV and BYU Radio. It's going to be a fun day. Which position group is the most important to the future success of BYU football? At Lasersheep tweets in, offensive line, protecting the two most used players, quarterback and running back, is key in both passing and rushing production, right? At T. Maddich, oh, he's calling in the help of Trevor Maddich on the Twitter machine, hashtag Big Uglies. Use the hashtag BYUSN to reply. Yeah, I... I'm always I always like the big uglies thing, but one of the big uglies is around. I don't call them the big uglies. I'm like, ha ha, you're not ugly. That's why they're the beautiful uglies. The beautiful. <laughs> well, uh, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is Bill Bender, college football expert, insider, and writer for the Sporting News. Bill, nice to have you back on the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. We very quickly noticed that you projected BYU to play in the Independence Bowl. Why Which makes the- sense from an independent standpoint. Yes, a- absolutely, and maybe that's why. Bill, I, it's kind of like a crapshoot with BYU who doesn't have an official tie-in for a bowl game right now. Why did you feel like y- you projected them that they should play in the Independence Bowl? 
Well, that was the one I picked. I mean, it is. Like you said, it's like throwing darts a little bit. You're not quite sure where the tie-in is. In previous years doing those projections, I knew exactly where I was putting BYU. And uh, the way these group or Power 5 conferences work, there might be one or two teams that doesn't have enough wins to get in. And I think, you know, matching them up with Pitt made sense in this particular case. It'll be an ESPN-owned or televised bowl, given the relationship with ESPN we anticipate. Yet, does it, 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 unless it's a New Year's Six bowl game, does it really matter where BYU plays in terms of making a national impact as long as they play a quality opponent and compete and win that game? Yeah, I think if they had it their way, they could play a Power 5 school, and that would look better, obviously. You know, they've had group of five schools over a couple seasons, and, and those matchups, they'll, they'll get televised. But like you said, I, and I think in people's minds, because this whole narrative that bull games are meaningless thing has somehow taken hold, that people don't really care what bull you're in if it's not a New Year's Day six bowl. But but in this case, I think, again, it would help BYU's profile. With the way they schedule, as you guys know, to play as many Power 5 opponents as possible at this point in 2017 okay it used to be if you weren't in a new year's day bowl that bowl just wasn't all that relevant um you could do your best to make it relevant but the most relevant bowls were on new year's day at this point with all these bowls and all of them televised and new year's six and whatnot does it really matter if you're on new year's if if you're in a new year's day not new year's six a new year's day bowl or not I don't think so because it's the the emphasis on New Year's Day in general has been taken away because we have so many bowl games and they're all spread out. Um, I'm a proponent of having the semifinals on January 1st, which this year we do. That's a good thing. And then some of the bowls around it. If you get in a New Year's Day six bowl, I think that's the best thing you can do because of the status that comes with it. You know, obviously money, TV, people are interested. I thought Outside of the playoff last year, the two most intriguing games to me were the Rose Bowl between Penn State and USC and the uh, Orange Bowl with Michigan and Florida State. And if you can get in one of those bowl games and have that spotlight on you, that's a pretty good thing. Bill, we know that you are a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. Last year they were down two games to none, came back to win the NBA Finals. It was dramatic. But this time around they're dealing with the Golden State Warriors team that picked up Kevin Durant. So with that said, what has a better chance of happening, BYU to a New Year's Six Bowl game or the Cavs winning the NBA Finals? I saw this question before I came on, and it, it, you guys are trying to hurt me here. <laughs> it's, so hard, it's, it's so hard to admit that the, the, the Warriors just have too much. I don't, it's not like last year when Cleveland trailed 2-0 I know the margin was different, but this just feels like a different Warriors team. So if they can, if Cleveland can win games three and four, I think they still have a chance. Now, BYU with their schedule, if they go, I mean, it's going to take, you know, a one-loss BYU team to do it um, because I think there's some good group of five candidates out there, but I think it could happen. BYU's playing five games. We're jokingly calling them the Big Five or the Furious Five or whatever against five quality opponents. LSU, Wisconsin, Utah, Boise State, Mississippi State. Those are the best five games on BYU's schedule. What do you anticipate could be BYU's record in those five against those five tough teams? So it's the three September games, right? You know, you get LSU, Utah, Wisconsin. I think if they get... If they get two of those, it would be a big win. If they could steal the, you know, beat Wisconsin at home somehow, and that's not going to be easy, and then obviously beat Utah. I think LSU, you're going to be underdogs. That's a tough one to win. If they could go two and one, that'd be huge. Um, and then those other two, you said Mississippi State. And who was the other one? Boise State. Boise State, yeah. Boise State's right there in early October. So 
if they could go three and two in those games, I think, you know, you'd have a solid case even over because you don't know what these group of five schools are going to do. You don't know that they will be an undefeated school. I think a two loss BYU team would have an interesting case at a new year's day six bowl considering, you know, but they'd need Boise state and South. They'd need that Boise state game. First of all, uh, to have that case. And then, um, you know, South Florida is kind of the team we're all watching because of, you know, having a Heisman dark horse, having Charlie Strong, having a good setup in the American Conference. Bill Bender of the Sporting News College Football Insider with us on BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars play 13 regular season games because they will make the trip to Hawaii and uh, get a 13th game with that NCAA rule in play. What do you think BYU's record will be in the regular season with those 13 games? <laughs> now, you're, now you're making me say they're going to win 10 or 11. I think 10 would be the, the you know, a remarkable season, given that they're playing that September again, that, that tough September schedule with LSU, Utah, Wisconsin. If they go 10 and three, I think nine and four is realistic. 10 and three would be something to shoot for. And, and if you get to 11 and two, that means you did that, did your job in those five big games, as you guys have probably been talking about a lot, the furious five, I actually like. So, um, you know, that's my very political answer, but I, I would probably say between nine and ten, and I, I, I could see ten wins happening if they, if it breaks the right way. Yeah, we feel the same way. Nine and four is probably what's going to happen unless there's something crazy either way, right? And and with that in mind, BYU football and Independence, they've won they won ten games in 2011, but it's been kind of eight or nine the last several years. What does BYU need to do to kind of validate Independence, or have they already? I think they validated being independent. I think they need to continue to strive to increase their profile in case we have that other round of expansion. I know it was disheartening in some ways not to get added to the Big 12, obviously, when they had the pageant last year. But expansion isn't – you can never say never with it being done. And I think, you know, the Big 12 status in general is worth watching this year with adding a conference championship game and those kind of things. So for me, if I'm BYU, I just keep doing what you're doing in terms of scheduling. I mean, that's the September schedule. It's always the first thing that catches my eyes when you look at, you know, schools that play that really tough September. So BYU certainly earning it from that standpoint and to continue building your profile in case there's another round of expansion or conference changes where BYU can elevate itself into one of those conferences, if that's what they want. Becoming nationally ranked or in a top 25 is always an important thing for BYU football because they're independent and don't have a conference. So where would you rank BYU right now going into the 2017 season between 1 and 130 FBS teams? I mean, in the 30s somewhere. I think, you know, they they won't be in the top 25 in preseason pools uh, across most pools right now. But, I mean, with Tanner Mangum coming back with – you know, some of the strengths they have in that schedule, they'll have an opportunity. They're a lot like in terms of a team with, when you have that September schedule, uh, I remember talking to you guys a few years ago about the one they played where it was, what was it? Nebraska, UCLA, Michigan. It was ridiculous. Um, if they were to somehow get through those three games, two and one and get through, you know, September, the bye week at three and one, they'd be in really good shape. BYU football uh, right now, is trying to continue to carve out its place in college football, as you mentioned. Uh, you, you feel like it's, they've validated independence. But I want to know the first thing you think of when you hear BYU football. Well, I think uh, stock would be the first word that comes to mind because you're stuck in terms of being independent and 
you guys made it no secret that they wanted to be in a conference at various times. Um, you know, they've done everything they need to do. And they're kind of that in between. They're, they're a lot like, in some ways, Notre Dame, where Notre Dame's a little bit different because they're fiercely independent. But, I mean, just stuck in that thing where there's no margin for error because you can't lose too many games when you're outside of a conference. And when you schedule a schedule like this, in some ways it works for you, but I think we've talked about this as well, where if you lose a couple games, you can you can fly off that national radar in a hurry. Bill Bender of the Sporting News on BYU Sports Nation. What do you think is the strongest part of the 2017 BYU football team and why fans should have hope as an independent going into this upcoming season? Well, I always look at defense first after the quarterback. So, I mean, that's I guess that's a two-part answer because I like Tanner Mangum. I think uh, – you know, the experience there, he's a guy that obviously has had an interesting career arc at BYU, but, I mean, if you trust what he can do, that's a good start as a pocket passer. And then uh, you got your linebackers back. And I, it's funny because I, I just never liked defense when I was in high school. I didn't like tackling people. I didn't like getting near people. And now when I get older, it's the first thing I look at. And I think uh, BYU's back seven, the experience of linebackers is going to count. When you got your leading tacklers back, that's always a good thing. Bill, great stuff. We appreciate the time. Good luck to your Cleveland Cavaliers, man. <laughs> we need a little more than luck at this point. But I appreciate <laughs> guys. Thanks so much. You got it. Bill Bender on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. That's an interesting answer to your question about what's the first thing you think stuck. of when you think about BYU football. And he said stuck. Yeah, BYU's probably not going to take that angle. <laughs> I would but, imagine they will not do that. But that's somewhat realistic given it might be stuck by choice, right? BYU doesn't want to join a group of five. Are they stuck in terms of, well, we're going to stay indie until a power five opening is there? Yeah. One angle of that, looking at that, is called stuck. Yeah. Yeah. The BYU angle is more like putting themselves in a position to be able to make the move when that realignment happens. I am single by choice after a Mountain West divorce. And I love that he called it a pageant in reference to the Big 12. Oh, all-time phrasing. Pageant? Amazing. What position group was most important (laughs) to BYU football's future success? Answer the question on Twitter. Up next, offensive line coach Mike Empey will tell us more about those big linemen coming in. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. We are on demand anytime, anywhere. Bill fact, Bender just joined us. In fact, if you missed Bill Bender talking about all things from uh, win totals in 2017 to what he called the Big 12 fiasco, <laughs> he called it a pageant. Fantastic stuff. If you missed that, you want to check it out, download the BYU TV or BYU Radio apps. You can also check out what we call InstaClips on uh, YouTube on Twitter. Check that out. Refreshing today's BYUSN headlines. BYU football announcing the additions of two offensive linemen, Tristan Hodge, a transfer from Notre Dame, and James Empey, a returned missionary who committed to Utah out of high school. Hodge, a four-star guy out of Idaho, and the cousin of BYU quarterback Bo Hodge. Bo Hodge. Bo Hodge. The number one center in the nation coming out of the prep ranks in 2015. Empey is the son of BYU offensive line coach Mike Empey, a three-star recruit. We will talk to the offensive line coach in just a couple of minutes. Bill Steele's releases over-under win totals for the season. BYU's over-under is at 10 wins. The Cougars are one of nine teams listed with an over-under of 10 or more wins. Now that's interesting because generally national guys err on the side of caution, right? Bill Steele. Not Phil 
steal or feel still puts BYU at 10 or more wins. Bleacher Report predicts Taysom Hill and Harvey Longy are the most likely undrafted free agents to make the Green Bay Packers and New England Patriots respectively. And most likely to break your windshield if you're parked near their complex. And the 2017 women's soccer schedules out. The Cougars play a challenging schedule with home non-conference Notable games against Ohio State, UCLA, Utah, and Kansas. Good road games include at Penn State, Colorado, and Arizona. What position group is the most important to the future success of BYU football? That is our Twitter question today. At CL underscore living says running backs, y'all. Didn't Jamal already show you that last year? Yes, but who was Jamal Williams running behind? And that is how we segue to our next guest. Mike Empey, the offensive line coach. Are you sure it's Mike? Oh, I mean, <laughs> wait, who is behind Ty Detmer's face? Yes, yes, it is Mike Empey. You know, unless, unless you know you... I hope Coach Empey can get those linemen in shape. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Charles Barkley or <laughs> Ty Detmer? <laughs> it's, it's a hybrid. Hey, that's, <laughs> or Carl Malone. That's pretty good, Mike. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, man. Good. Good to be here. Thanks. Glad I could shame you guys into letting me come yeah. back on the show. Yeah, you complained your way onto the show. <laughs> Slash had two notable uh, signings. So let's talk about Tristan Hodge uh, in a second. But first, of course, your son James. What went into his transfer from Utah to BYU? Um, well, I, you know, when when uh, when my son was going through the recruiting process, we he he took his he took trips. We went on unofficial visits. We did everything that a recruited kid does and. And at the time, you know, as he felt the most comfortable with his opportunity to go to the University of Utah. And at the time, I was his high school coach. And um, while he was on his mission, I changed jobs, and and uh, I was here. And and he saw the energy and the things that were kind of going on uh, with our program and what we're doing. And I think that, you know, that was just appealing to him that you know he would have a chance to come to BYU. And and he didn't ever not like BYU. He just chose somewhere else. And and uh, so you know, over time, he just had contacted us and said, Hey, you know, I just really feel like I want to make that change. What needs to happen? And we, we got it done. So now, I know uh, you're big on letting your children do what they want to do. And we've talked about this on the golf course, things like right. that. And so, I mean, what was that conversation well, in like? relation to choosing where they want to go to school? Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I, it, it was, it was kind of interesting because, uh, um, I, he was on his mission and it, he was trying to be a good missionary and focus on that. And, and, um, I wanted him to focus on that and his mom and, and we just, we felt like, Hey, when the time is right and, and he feels like, you know, he knows what he's going to do. We'll just support whatever he wants to do. And he, uh, uh, contact last mother's day, not this most recent mother's day, but the one before in part of our conversation, he just said, dad, find out what I need to do. I'd, I'd like to come to BYU and, and uh, and be there, and so we reached out and talked to Coach Whittingham, and and uh, I will tell you, Coach Whittingham was first class all the way. He was supportive. He didn't want James to be distracted on his mission or have to worry about whether or not he would get a release or anything like that. And uh, uh, Coach Whittingham was first class with the whole situation, and they granted his release. And so, um, you know, uh, for James, he just wanted to kind of quietly come home, get enrolled in school, and then you know, whenever it you know, whenever we made the announcement, we made the announcement after he was already home from his mission and he had already kind of gotten in school and had the wheels rolling that direction. But, uh, you know, I was proud of him for how he handled the whole situation and focused on his mission. And I was grateful to Coach Whittingham and also to Coach Satake. Uh, when when I interviewed with Coach Satake, the, uh, one of the first things we talked about was James and, 
and uh, how important he would be um, as a recruit in this program. And Coach uh, Satake had recruited him at Oregon State as well, so <laughs> and had coached him in youth camps, you know, at, at Utah and all those things as James was growing up. So we we just all had a lot of familiarity with each other, and uh, it was just a it was just a situation that came around and it worked it worked out in a way that we're happy. Now we got to go to work, right? Now yeah, we got to make yeah. we got to go to work and make it all uh, you know be worth something. I like the Kyle Winningham's the anti Bill Snyder. Uh, who recently would not let a kid go to like 32 schools? Like, what's up with that, right? So, um, and and Norm Chow with Michael Wadsworth wouldn't let him come to BYU. So that that's nice. And BYU's reciprocated typically in the past, where hey, yeah, we're going to give you a release and we're going to be cool about it, right? So now now James can play uh, right away, right? Four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's typically how you like to handle return missionaries? Do you, do you like them to have a redshirt year and then kind of learn the offense and that? Yeah, we have a new player development protocol that um i don't know if that's really what it's called that really sounded good sounded cool yeah and (laughs) they come in and they kind of get into the new player you know development system uh coach tafisi takes them and they start with um you know they start with exercises and things that you know understanding you just came from Portugal and not from Vasa Gym in American <laughs> Fork, you know, and you start with, with the, the basic stuff and you get them up to speed and try to prevent injury and get them, their bodies moving again and all of them. And, um, and so he'll spend time in that program over the summer and then we'll see where all these new guys, I anticipate most guys that come home from a mission are going to need some development, um, especially at offensive line. So I, I anticipate that he'll redshirt and develop and, you know, next spring, you know, try to be in the mix to compete to to um, to actually play. Um, but as far as you know, eligibility, if uh, he doesn't have to sit out a year transferring, which is the case with Tristan transferring, he would have to sit a year because he was just enrolled at Notre Dame last semester. So he and has used his red shirt already as well. Yeah, and he's used his red shirt. So you know, that's typically how. You know, the transfers coming from a mission are a little bit different than the transfers when you're just going from school to school. And then there's a graduate transfer. And if uh, that's what Kia Norman and Andrew Idy did a year ago, where they were they were graduated, they had their undergraduate degree and the NCAA allows them to transfer without any penalty once they've completed their undergraduate degree. So, you know, we've had in the, in the change over here and, and over time, probably lots of times when Bronco was here and, and other coaches were here somebody wants to change schools and you just follow the rules and make sure that you check all the boxes and do it right. And, and generally when a coach doesn't want to give a release or is angry about um, a kid leaving, it, it has probably more to do with feeling like he was recruited away or somehow has undercut his program. Um, I think when there's good communication and ev- then everybody wants just what's best for the young man, and if that's what the young man wants to do, I, how miserable it is is it if you made a kid stay in your program and he hated it? That makes you know? no sense to me. Yeah, I have, it's not I have, good for anyone. I have right, no respect for, for those coaches. I have yeah. no respect for those. And coaches. so I don't think I, I think the only time a coach is gonna you know really be concerned about not granting a release is if he feels like somehow he wasn't communicated with, or there's been something that hasn't been right in that situation. And I understand that too. You know, I I get it. So. Offensive line coach Mike Empey with us on BYU Sports Nation, the third man to impersonate Ty Detmer in Studio B, I believe. And not bad. Not bad. <laughs> it was awful. It was like Carmel. I thought it was a good Carmel. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Tristan Hodge, uh, who you brought up as the Notre Dame transfer, number one center coming out of high school in Pocatello, Highland High School guy, four stars. 
Why did he want to play football at BYU and potentially give up a year unless an appeal is granted and you know, all that business? And, 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 and you know, the, you, you bring up the appeal. I've had a few people ask me about that. You know, just in general, it's a standard thing. You're going to transfer. You're going to appeal to say, hey, would you guys let me transfer without a sitting for a year? It, everybody's going to do that, right? So the appeal is not anything that has to be um, – anything other than it's kind of just a routine sure. thing in the transfer. Um, and, and it's not granted very much at all. So, um, but it, there's a lot of connections to, from Tristan and, and BYU. Uh, obviously uh, his cousin Bo is on the team. Uh, Tristan's dad and uh, Bo's dad are brothers. And um, many years ago when we were all little boys in Pocatello, Idaho, uh, me and, the Hodge boys were buddies growing up on the you same grew street. Up in Pocatello? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So me and you go to Highland me too? And, yeah, I'm a Highland Ram. Oh. So me and me and, and Tristan's dad grew up together on the same street and his uncle Merrill. Their dad was my bishop. Uh you know, we've known each other for over forty years. And so we've we've all everybody kinda knows everybody and, and uh when Tristan um uh we got word that he was considering making a move and we just let uh, them know that if he wants to get a release, you know, we can communicate with him at that point. But until then, we can't. And the next thing you know, we got a call and there was a release. And he said, listen, I, you know, I want to make a move and this is what I want to do. So um, we, it, was, it was cool that he chose us. We, we really didn't want to get into a giant re-recruiting of one of the top players in, in that position. We just – he wanted to be here they made it known to us and, and they followed all the rules and we made it known to them that there's a spot if he wants to be here. So, you know, um, I would say one of the, one of the things to remember is that all the high school ratings and all the rankings and all those things, they're great for a high school kid coming out. Now you're talking about a college guy transferring and, you know, he's got to do a lot of work to, you know, to get on the football field and he's got to learn everything. And, um, physically he looks great and, and, um, he's been practicing and playing for three years. So I would expect that, um, him getting up to speed is, you know, it's a process, but it shouldn't be overwhelming process. And he'll most likely have a year to to uh, be ready to. So we should see him next spring, you know, competing. Is he a potential replacement at center since you have kind of two in the two two center seniors in the two deep there? Yeah, potentially. I have I have uh, three centers in my two deep. I got Tooney at right guard and and Tijon at center and Kean Norman at left guard are all seniors, and so we'll just kind of. We'll get. We'll do what we need to do for for this season, and and those guys are going to do a good job for us. And and then um, I'm cross training a couple of guards that can play guard and center, and um, then we have James coming in, who's who's going to to learn center and also play guard. And then we have another uh, offensive lineman that comes home from a mission. Um, Haas, uh, he gets home for the mid year in January, so he is a center. We recruited him as a center. So there's depth Arkansas coming. Arkansas kid? Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's depth coming um, at that position. But Tristan has played guard and center, but he's also the type of kid who could he could play tackle, I, I think, athletically if we needed him to. And I I just think we'll just figure kind of all that out as we get started. It's fun to, to look at it on paper and shuffle it around, but yeah. until we get on the field, you know, I think all those things kind of naturally find their their position. 
you've got some guys, and you've got 81 days to uh, solidify that too deep. We're looking forward to it. Coach, it's great to have you back at Studio B. Hey, Thanks for having me. Your shout-out worked. You got on. Yeah, appreciate <laughs> it. I'll, I'll do it again in about a month. Yeah, yeah, just shame us, and then you'll get on the show. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks, My you guys. Fancy, you got it, man. Up next, Between the Lines, centered on the 1,000th show last Thursday. Speaking of shaming, Mike Empey, this is BYU Sports Nation. (laughs) BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Watch our daily rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. If some studio bizzle is good, more is better, Jerem. That's right. BYU Sports Nation's Media Day special on June 23rd, by the way, for Football Media Day. 12 to 2 Eastern time, a two-hour edition on Football Media Day. Check it out. Which position group is the most important to the future success of BYU football at Boba Kenobi tweets in receivers, mm. especially with Tanner Mangum under center. The defense is solid and taken care of and has been good. The receivers are an interesting topic. They, they are important for sure. I just don't think it mattereth much if you can't get the rock out. See the Michigan game. Oh, yeah, that was rough. Hey, maybe you missed it the first 286 times we mentioned it, but last Thursday we hit the 1,000 show mark. So there's your 287th what? reference. 1,000 shows of BYU Sports Nation. We featured a four-minute montage of the first four years or so that we've been doing the show, received some elite shout-outs from coaches, players, and former guests. And now it's time to hear from the fans, those who have endured with us 1,000-plus episodes endured. of BYU Sports Nation. Let's go Between the Lines. Nation presents Between the Lines. I may be biased, but I think BYU Sports Nation has the best fans, and they're not just local, but they're worldwide. It's incredible the support that we've received throughout these first few years, and we're about to witness all that these fans put into showing their appreciation for BYU Sports Nation. This is the 1,000th show fan shout-out. In the early days of radio, I listened and I tweeted. The Oracle spoke wisdom, but was apparently deleted. Before long, we witnessed Logan takeovers and Jerem making fun of Spencer for his pre-show makeovers. I got to participate in BYU BTL, but I tripped on some ropes and I nearly fell. Air Mormon, Thug Mormon, and Jimo Dashen. A lot has happened in a thousand episodes of BYUSN. Undeniably, BYU Sports Nation is hashtag BYUSN Elite. That's right, Jerem. I said it. Elite. And that's not up for debate. Congratulations, you guys, and go Cougs. Congrats on your 1,000th show. Thanks to you, BYU fans don't have to wear blue goggles to know the karma always helps the Cougars to win. And the daily countdown tells us when football will begin. Spencer will run a true 4-9-40, and Jerem will again shave his head before the Big 12 expands and the Is Mitch Matthews Elite debate is dead. But I'm proud to be one of BYU Sports Nation's biggest fans, and I'd like to offer you a round of applause, even if you don't agree with me that the real Ty's last name is definitely Hawes. I just want to give a quick shout-out to Jerem and Spencer on their 1,000th episode of BYU Sports Nation. Uh, love you guys, and here's to a thousand more. 
There's Brian, Uncle B, Coach Cleve, and David Nixon to procrastinate and deliberate on what our team's fixing. The sets become a treasure trove of collectibles and keepsakes. Falls Laura's but some cheese gold seats and many hot takes. Congrats to all who have lent a hand, and now we've reached a thousand. Shout out to Spencer and Jerome. We're glad you put the time in. As fans, we've come to love this show and the daily Twitter question. We look forward to a plethora more in the day we're national champion. Word. I enjoy watching guys and listening to you every day. Keep up the great work and go Cougs. I would run a 5K just to see your, your thousandth episode of BYU Sports Fish. Congratulations on your thousandth show and go Cougs. Uh, because of your guys' love and passion for BYU sports, uh, it has only intensified my love for BYU. Love Sports Nation. Jerem, Spencer, love you guys. Lauren, your segment's the bomb and so are you. A big shout out to Spencer Linden and Jerem Jordan. Thanks for all that you do to promote BYU. I love BYU Sports Nation. Thanks, guys, and here's to the next 1,000. Believe it or not, these are only bits and pieces of all the fan shout-outs that we receive. So we're going to be posting them throughout the day. We're going to throw out a poll, and you guys are going to decide which fan shout-out was the best. Thank you, everyone, for sending in your videos. Join us next week when we have a special Father's Day segment with some of the cutest kids in the entire world. And they may or may not be related to these guys on my left right here. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at BOU underscore BTL and use the hashtag BOUBTL. Did you guys tear up during that a little bit? Word. Cause, cause <laughs> <laughs> thanks to, yeah, thanks to everyone who sent one in. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. Because I know you teared up last week, you know, last Thursday. I think today we teared up. <laughs> my jaw dropped a few times. Yeah, tear down for what? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, thank you for uh, sending those in. It, it, it was, it's great to see that reaction. It was great to go to Corona and interact with the fans. We, we know that we are with you in the connection to BYU sports, right? It's not just us hanging out here, the three of us here. The fans mean a lot to the show, right? No fans, no show. Yes, and it is incredible the amount of time that some of these people spent in, in yeah. making up poems and raps. Crazy cook fanatics. Really, goodness. Yeah. That's Word. talent. Word. Was, Word. That was super talent. <laughs> Tasha, Tasha Lynn. Hey, tremendous! Thanks, Lauren, and, and, and thank you for the uh, yeah <laughs> the elite. Me out. That was that was, uh, that was elite in vain. That was my favorite elite. elite. Elite in vain. But the Mitch Matthews debate, yeah, it's it. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> guys. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, which position group was the most important to future success of BYU football? We is there a whole longy reference? Great tweet, yeah, great tweet. <laughs> Between the lines on BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Martin's Collision Repair. The right repair, the right paint, the right choice. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Shout out to today's guest, Bill Bender. Mike Empey and Lauren Frankham with Between the Lines. If you missed any of today's show, how do you get it, Jerem? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Let's whip it! It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. BYU announced the addition of two offensive linemen, Tristan Hodge, who transferred from Notre Dame, and James Empey, a return missionary who signed with Utah out of high school. Hodge was a four-star out of high school. He's the cousin of BYU quarterback Bo Hodge, who went to Pocatello's Highland High School. The same high school as Taysom Mill. He was the number one center in the country coming out of high school. MP, the son of Mike MP, who was on the show earlier, three-star recruit, now a cougar. Phil Steele, come a long way, has released his over-under win totals for the season. BYU is over-under at 10 wins. The Cougars, one of just nine teams in all of college football, listed with an over-under of 10 or more. Wow. 
Cougars in the NFL. Bleacher Report predicts Taysom Hill and Harvey Long are the most likely undrafted free agents to make the Packers and Patriots, respectively. Soccer. 2017 BYU women's soccer schedule out for all to consume. The Cougars play a challenging schedule with home non-conference games against the likes of Ohio State, Utah, UCLA, and Kansas. Solid road games as well, including Penn State, Colorado, and a trip to the desert and Arizona. Cougars in the minors. John Miller is still sweating. Michael Rucker started his first game as a minor league player last night, got the win. Five innings pitched, one hit, zero run ball, six Ks for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans versus the Bowie's Creek Astros. Also, Brendan Lund went two for three in a loss with the Inland Empire 66ers versus the Vesalia Rahide. <laughs> the 66ers, the Bowie's Astros, and the Pelicans. You got to love minor league. It's a piece of Americana. Like, it's... It's fantastic. By the way, SB Nation's Bill Connolly, who's trying to become the commissioner of college football, he has said a lot lately and a lot that's fun to chat about. He will join us coming up on Thursday. Yes, including Brigham as the school up north's biggest game of the year. What? Nailed it. What? Not USC. Nailed it. Our Twitter question today, which position (laughs) group is the most important to the future success of BYU football? Let's read a few tweets, shall we? It's winter time. At JCAR Camp, 100% the big nasties in the trenches. Skill players have the talent but won't do much without guys who block for them and create time and space. Amen to that. Our elite Except tweet the of the line. day from at RG55. Mo Longy is a position group. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is, indeed. Our rise and shout now brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help. When you need it most, DexterLot.com. Who gets it, Jerry? Mike Kempe. Nicely done getting these two guys. Uh, solid connection with Tristan Hodge from his youth, his parents. And Tristan Hodge's grandpa was his bishop. <laughs> awesome, right? <laughs> Only at BYU. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter. Use hashtag BYU. Which position group is Mo Longy, though? That is the next question, right? Running backs. Show on demand, BYSN.com. Download the podcast. For Jeremy, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Young Tanner. Young Tanner? Yeah. Cool. Young Tanner Mangum? What?